get out there and fail fast. Being a student right. uh, and just getting out, don't be scared. Meet with people and you know, just know you're gonna mess up and then you're gonna learn. Go wait tables and you'll you'll understand how to, you'll start learning how people are and how they react to certain things. If you're slow, you're gonna get a smaller tip. Right. If you give great service and you're, you communicate, then you're gonna get a better tip. Produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome back to another episode of The Path Forward. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Rick Fernandez, and we talk education, innovation, and everything in between. I want to welcome my guest, my brother from another mother. No, not really. <laughs> Mr. James Burns, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here today. So I got to give you a proper introduction. So James is the vice president of PGW. Yes, PGW. What does PGW stand for? First of all, and what do y'all do? Okay, so PGW stands for Parking Garage and Warehouse Solutions. Uh, we started in 2016, uh, mostly doing industrial and commercial LED lighting. Okay. Uh, so retrofits um, is where we started. Uh, since then, we've kind of evolved, uh, and now we do all kinds of different sustainability, energy reduction, which LED is obviously a big portion of that as well. Let me let me ask this question. Okay. I, I, when you hear LED, right, and, and I, I assume I'm a, no, a novice, what's the difference? Why is that such a big thing now, the, the transition to LED? Yeah, I mean, they use significantly less electricity, first of all. Uh, they're brighter. They last longer. Uh, you know, there's... It's proven from a safety standpoint and a productivity standpoint that people perform better. They don't fall asleep. They just pr perform better when right. you have a brighter environment. So obviously for schools, that would make a big difference because we're always trying to find the optimum environment for kids to learn. Right. Um, you know, and even in college, when you fell asleep in class, you <laughs> wanted to blame that on the, the old school bulbs. But where we are now, how big of a transition are you seeing across the country to LED? Yeah, I mean, businesses, everyone already knows what it is. Right. Uh, they're making that transition. A lot of uh, people, you know, they're they're replacing old lights with LEDs as they go out, um, which is not the most efficient way of doing things. Uh, but everyone sees the benefits of it. And, you know, the, most companies have made that migration. There's been a lot of different tax incentives and uh, different types of uh, programs set up to help sure. people. Uh, make the transition faster. Uh, you know, we've got lighting as a service type offering that we offer here at PGW where we can go in and we can do a full audit. Uh, we can see what the savings are going to be. Uh, and then if the savings are large enough, then we can actually come in and outfit your entire facility. Then you pay us through the savings. So what, if you, what, what is that typically called, right? Because I know what you're talking about in districts, uh, school districts, that mm -hmm. happens a lot. But what, for somebody that doesn't know how is that verbalized? It's like performance contracting. Okay. Yeah, okay. We, we call it energy as a service. Okay. And you can do it with not just LEDs, but like HVAC, right? You can do it with uh, all different types of energy savings. I mean, we've got, you know, a patented product that we call the voltage recycling system. Uh, it gets about 10% savings and builds efficiencies otherwise, uh, where we can implement that solution as well. And if you're spending, you know, a million dollars, you save a hundred, you know, instead of, putting up front the capital, because I know money's tight. 
Always. with everybody right Always. now. Yeah. So we can go and put up the upfront capital. We can outfit your entire facility. You get all the operational benefits of it. And then we take a percentage of the savings. So let me ask you this. What type of entities do you work with? I know y'all are agnostic. It doesn't matter. You can help anybody. But give me some of your, your, your clients that you serve. Sure. Uh, I mean, Mitsubishi, Caterpillar, uh, Cure Dr. Pepper, Niagara Bottling. I mean, these, you know, big companies. Right. Uh, we're working on, uh, you know, projects with uh, big utility type groups, uh, you know, uh, Florida Power and Lighting. Uh, we're working with uh, big construction groups like Quanta Services right now here in Houston. Uh, so we're really, you know, just agnostic to who we can work with. Um, and our solutions tend to translate, you know, whether it's a hospital, mm -hmm. whether it's a big industrial manufacturing, a school district, we're working with uh, Sam Houston State right now on a water oh, project. Oh, Bearcats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Old alma mater. I told you that was the reason I was asleep in class. Yeah, they were like, you're the guy that fell asleep. Like, <laughs> We've been trying to rectify this for 25 yeah. years now, so we figured we might as well do yeah, it Yeah, I was like, well, you need some LEDs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how does this translate to K-12, right? And, and what do you see the benefits? I mean, obviously you said money's tight. And whether it's tight or not, mm -hmm. we're always going to say it's tight. You, you, you know that if you've sure. been working with the public sector. So. What do you see as the advantages for a school district or a university system in particular? Well, I do know, uh, you know, just one of the most, one of the biggest costs for school districts mm -hmm. is going to be electricity. Right. Right. And some of the easy low hanging fruit you can do is an LED retrofit. Right. And so there's those opportunities there. There's HVAC, which we can offer as a service as well. Uh, you know, there's benefits there. There's leaks happening all the time that you're, you may not be aware of. Uh, and you're paying money and just throwing it out the window. So there's a lot of things you can do to tighten things up. And if you don't have the cash to do it, there's very creative ways of getting it from low interest loans to, you know, there's grants available sure. right now from the, the, the federal government to go make these types of improvements. So uh, we keep ourselves well versed on taxes, on grants and availability of all these things and just offer it to our clients and help guide them through the process. So everybody's ears perked up any educator that's that's watching right when you said federal grant to get some stuff done can you talk a little bit about that grant and mm -hmm. like what it is and how it might help some schools sure there's grants right now uh, there's a big push for electrification of fleets sure uh you know people are looking at okay does it make sense to replace our diesel buses with electric buses when they go out right so there's grants right now for electrification of your fleets uh, there's grants available right now for HVAC improvements. So off camera earlier, you were telling me a little bit about a solar grant, something that may impact school districts as well as a great opportunity. Can you explain a little bit more in depth? Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of different assets available starting in 2023 this year that were included in the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay. Right. And so when that bill was passed, uh, it was it's still going through. Uh, they're still trying to comb through everything. Sure. Still. Uh, but one of the special provisions in there where historically, uh, you know, groups that didn't pay taxes like municipalities and, you know, public schools, they wouldn't qualify for these because they don't pay taxes. Right. right. So starting in 2023, they made certain types of assets available where you can get a dollar for dollar tax credit. Uh, that includes solar. It includes battery. It includes uh, combined heat and power. It includes all different types of assets that you can go get a dollar for dollar credit now. Wow. And one of the cool things is, is the minimum credit you should be able to receive is uh, 30%. 
right? That's the and minimum. That's dollar for dollar. Okay. That's the minimum. Then you get little kickers, little boosters that uh, you can, is this the catches? Is there was always a catch to the grants? <laughs> well, so yeah. Well, there's an extra 10% kicker that you can get by using American-made products. Okay. So if we come in and say we want to build resiliency, you know, from the grid when it goes down. Right. Uh, that never yes, happens in Texas, but no, never, never. So, um, but if you want to build resiliency uh, from the grid failing or just lower cost or whatnot, you can build, you know, what's called a microgrid or a virtual power plant. And so that includes solar, that includes some kind of storage, like a battery right. uh, would include possibly even gas generation. And these microgrids there say, you know, they cost, I don't know, I'll just throw something out there, $50 million. Okay. That's a lot of money to put up front, right? <laughs> and so the government on these types of assets now is giving you a dollar for dollar credit up to 50% off of these microgrids and you wow. can, and it's direct pay. So you would just file taxes as if you were a public company. Uh, and then you would get a dollar for dollar grant or not grant, but dollar for dollar tax credit the very next year. So I'm going to ask what most superintendents are going to ask, right? If, if, if they're offered this opportunity, Hey man, will y'all write the grant for us? So we don't have to write the grant and we just want to, we just want to get the, the reward. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've, we've got all kinds of partnerships and resources that are available that do that specialize in this type of thing. So absolutely. We can help, we can write it. We can help guide you through the entire process. We could write the grant. I mean, we want to make it easy for you because this isn't your expertise. This is what we do. Sure. And so we know if it's not your expertise, you know, it could, things could linger out and dollar, there's only a set amount of dollars for these types of credits. Granted, it goes out till 2032, but there's only a right. set amount of money. So you want to be uh, first in on grants. Just to Always. help expedite things. Always. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to talk water because water is a problem. And I didn't know how, how critical water was in the mm -hmm. state of Texas. And I give a shout out to two of my colleagues from Answer Advisory, Carlos Rubenstein and Robert Sheets, who have this understanding like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. um, from a water perspective, how would you help an entity save, cut back, utilize all of those things that are really going to hit us hard in Texas pretty soon? Yeah, I mean, from anything from water stewardship programs, we can help guide through the process. Of course, everyone's looking at like high efficiency toilets and, you know, sinks and all, all kinds of things like that. But I'll ask you this. Did you know uh, every time you pay your water bill every month, did you know you're paying about 20 percent of that in air? What? Yeah, so you, you see the amount of gallons that you're getting and roughly about 20% of what you're paying for, the gallons used is air. What, so explain that. What, what, what does air have to do with anything with that? It has to do with pressure. Okay. And so outside you have a water meter, right, that the city or municipality is measuring right. how much they're sending you, and then they bill you accordingly. Every time you flush a toilet or open a valve, that pressure then drops. And as the pressure drops it's going through the meter and that meter is not reading just water. It's not reading, it's reading total volume. And so as the pressure drops, that total volume includes air. Okay. okay. And so, yeah, you're getting billed. And that's one of the things we can help guide our customers through too, is, you know, how do we make your water the most efficient, you know, by compressing that air out of the system uh, before the meter. So you're not paying for air. It, it, so it's possible to do that? Like just with, Oh yeah, we do it. We do it on a, you know, residential. We'll do multi. I was about to say, can we'll I have one? Hospitals. Can I have one at the house? Because yeah. we, we, we bought a new house, and man, I'm, the bills. I was like, man, 
what what size house do people think I have? Do, do the electric <laughs> companies think I have? Because clearly yeah. they are overestimating the size of this house because it's been astronomical in in utilities. Oh yeah, and the city of Houston announced uh, at least till twenty twenty six that there's going to be a fifteen percent increase year over year off the cost of water. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean it's just the price is going up. Uh, you know, people's usage is going up, um, and same with electricity. And so. Actually, one of uh, you know our coworkers, uh, one of the our CFO, wanted to try this out, and so he put it, you know, our system on his house, uh-huh. uh, reduced it thirty three percent. Funny thing is, though, he's still spending more, but by reducing the consumption, he can look to see what he would have spent. Right. Right. <laughs> so it didn't help him. But they didn't. They didn't back up. <laughs> well, it basically just levelized his cost, you yeah. know, to last year, yeah. right? And so. Uh, it's just because the rate's going up. But the thing you can control, you can't control what you're going to be charged. Right. You can control your usage, though. And so by taking the air out and then or compressing the air, not taking it out, to where your meter's only reading water and none of that air, you're lowering your consumption on your bill by 20%, which means whatever they decide to charge you, it's going to be lesser than. Wow. So That's pretty amazing. And it's going to come to a point, I think, if it hasn't already, where homeowners are going to be looking for every avenue sure. that is probably they're probably already available to big companies, mm-hmm. right? But now it's gotten to the point everything is so tight financially. Um, every cost saving measure that mm-hmm. you can possibly do, people are thinking about, and and utilities is a huge one. So that's that's interesting. I had never even considered any of that. Didn't know anything about the water pressure mm-hmm. in the air. I just water comes out. We use too much. Turn the water off. You know, you know all those right. things you tell you tell your your kids, your family, and those tax incentives I talked about earlier, right. those ITC, that could be for residential as well. Huh? Yeah. You know, if I was ever going to run for the president of my homeowners association, maybe I'd just drop that on all my neighbors and say, "Hey, guys, we got let's let's save us some money." But yeah, uh, that, or if you didn't want to do that at, on your house, you can do what's called community solar, where the communities get together and then they buy into solar. Uh, that's you know either on site or off site in a field somewhere. Uh, and then that produces, and you get what's called an energy credit on your bill. Okay. So yep. you still get credit for using the solar that you're paying for. Uh, it's just not on your house. Right. So there's right. all kinds of different. You could reduce, you could reduce your cost, mm-hmm. um, even if it's not a direct link of what you're, what you're using, what you're consuming. Right. Okay, James, I want to transition real quick, because obviously this is a show about education, innovation, and how it all mm-hmm. applies. So you've obviously got a ton of knowledge and some vast experience working with a variety of entities. If I'm a high school senior graduating or I'm in my first year of college and I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do, um, what is the advice you give, that they, the skills that they need for your industry, your type of work? I mean, obviously, you got to have some knowledge and obviously, you got to be able to work with folks. Mm-hmm. But can you just dial down, like, what would you be looking for for an employee? Uh, so yeah, that's a good question is, um, there's really no one size fit all. Okay. I would say, uh, the, t- the type of a uh, person that I'm looking for is somebody that's going to go be a student for life. You know, like, what does that mean though? Tell, Cause we always say that in education, I want, you're not a educator by trade. So I want you to explain what that means to you. Yeah. So what that means to me is whatever it is that I'm doing, I, I just want to be able to add to and contribute in some way. Right. And so you know, I try to learn, I try to pick up on things every single day uh, about the industry. I mean, if something comes up on the news or if something I'm reading about and I don't know what it is, right. then I may spend an entire weekend just reading about it, learning about it, 
in uh, that way, you know, we're our industry, we're kind of on the forefront. And I'm not talking about me or my company, sure. PGW. I'm saying we're at the very beginning stages of a major transition here on the energy side of things. And so people are still trying to figure it out. And so if, you know, you just kind of be a sponge and just absorb everything that's going on right now and try to project of, you know, the best that you can of where it's going, uh, you know, which is very hard. That's the chess game, right? Uh, but just try to just learn as much as you can about it. And then when you do meet with people uh, and bring that kind of knowledge to the table uh, and people can see you as a resource, they tend to want to keep you around in business. Yeah. Like even if I don't have anything to sell them right now, but I bring some kind of uh, you know, some kind of you, you, no add knowledge. Value. Yeah, yeah, value add. add value is yeah. just having me around. Eventually we're going to find a way find some kind of synergies, find some way to do business together because uh, we're all just kind of learning this together. So, uh, and as far as going back to what, I mean, I would just say network, man. Like, what does that look like though? Cause we all say that and, and I'm, I'm always, I get a little frustrated with, with our, the way we share information education. It's a lot of great speeches and great motivation. But when we say network, like I want to push on what does that mean? Like if I, if I'm 19, how do I go act on that? You know, so be ambitious, figure out a way, go cut grass, you know, go cut lawns, go wait tables. One of the, one of the best things I did at an early age, right. learning how to deal with the public, which is, <laughs> can be very difficult, go wait tables and you'll, you'll understand how to, you'll start learning how people are and how they react to certain things. If you're slow, you're going to get a, a slower or a smaller tip. Right. If you give great service and you're, you communicate, then you're going to get a better tip. You may even meet somebody and you give exceptional service. You don't ever know who you're going to meet. Right. And you may meet somebody who could, you know, help shape the future of your, your career, your life. So uh, it's just being open to that and realizing there's opportunities everywhere and just kind of keep your eyes open and your, ears open and, and look for those opportunities. And when they're there, be prepared to react. You know, I want to, I want to quickly follow up on something and, and we know each other, obviously. And I think we both talked about, we've had career transitions, career changes. Mm -hmm. And and now that's going to be the norm for all workforce, right? Particularly our, our young generation. When you change careers and you know, there's a lot to learn, right? How do you go about being valuable, even though you may not have the knowledge, you don't have the experience, you're still learning the ropes? How do you add value? Man, you just have to do it. I mean, you have to, you have to just submerge yourself in it. Uh, you know, I spent, I spent the majority of my career in healthcare. Right. Uh, went into pharma, went into medical and, you know, working for big companies is, is great. There's a lot of good benefits and they give you everything you need. Right. And this is, this is something I tell people all the time is they give you everything, all this marketing material. They tell you how to, how to go to market. I mean, they step by step. Right. But the problem for me is I don't really learn that way by you just giving me a bunch of information. I have to go do it. Right. And so the biggest say that again, say exactly what you said one more time. So I could sit here and read everything that you've given me. Right. And I could and you can tell me you taught me everything I need to know. But I got to go do it for it to really to really resonate with me, to really make sense, to really learn. And, you know, I'll kind of expand on that a little bit. I've transitioned out of healthcare and now business owner of a company that does 
you know, resiliency, sustainability, completely different sector. Right. And in the beginning, I didn't know what I was talking about, you know? <laughs> and for me, that's a problem, you know? So all our marketing material, everything we do now, everything I've learned, I've read books, I've met with people, I've listened to what they had to say, I've had to relearn trigonometry, you know? Like, I've had to do all these things, but it's me pushing myself to go learn. Right. Uh, and in my mind, I'm, I'm putting together how I'm going to take this to market, how I'm going to, you know, build this into the things that I talk about every sure. day. So by instead of everything being given to me and told, t them telling me, I have to figure out my own path. And in the last two years that I've been doing this, uh, I feel like I've got a doctorate degree. I feel like I'm, we're meeting with some of the biggest clients, executives uh, in the world right now. And I sit at the table and I talk toe to toe with them. Uh, and that's something that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, just being a student right. uh, and just getting out. Don't be scared. You know, you go out and you, you meet with people and, you know, just know you're going to mess up uh, and then you're going to learn and then you're not going to mess up on that point again. But it's not being afraid of failure. Yeah, that's 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 critical. And that's something that we're trying to really work on in education, because Everybody feels like everyone has to be the, on the honor roll. Everybody has to mm -hmm. make, if you make a B or a D or if you even fail, what's wrong? What's, what's not happening? It's the teacher's fault. It's the curriculum's fault. It's the district's fault. No, failure is a part of the, the journey. Yeah. Failure is a part of learning. And it's critical that we build in failure and, you know, resilience and struggle mm -hmm. and adversity into what we're doing for kids. And so you just dropped a bunch of pearls of wisdom there. <laughs> the best part all out of all of it was you said relearn trigonometry. And I'm like, man, I didn't even learn, <laughs> learn, learn, much less relearn. Uh, okay. I've got, I got one more ask. And this is something that I try to push and I thought was very valuable for my school district. And now that I'm on the private side, school districts anywhere, let's say you were to win a contract with the school district, right? Providing services and expertise. If I, as the superintendent said, hey, Mr. Burns, we appreciate it, but to enter into this contract, I need you to take on two of my seniors that are interested in, in sustainability or energy or whatever the coursework may be. I, I want them to intern with you over the life of this contract, whether it be a semester, a year. Could you do that? Would you do that? Would Even if you don't have the playbook right now, would you figure it out for that entity? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're trying, we're trying to shape minds, you know, right now as a future. And, you know, when I, I look back in high school, you know, when I was getting ready to graduate, I had no clue what I was going to do. It was like, you go to high school, uh, then you, you kind of take the next step and go to college right. and you figure it out in college and kind of, maybe yeah. you I didn't even figure it out in college, man. Like I just had to go out and, and, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I had to go out, figure it out, uh, waited tables, met people, networked, uh, did jobs that I didn't want to do. Uh, but I did it and I did it for long enough where you can get that experience. And then you go out and you figure out your own path, you know? So, um, being able to take on a couple students and kind of teach them, you know, the business side of things and, uh, you know, how to hustle and how to, how to fail. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things I learned early on is uh, failure is a good thing if you use it as a tool. And one of my old vice presidents of sales stuck with me is like, get out there and fail fast. Yeah. Because law of averages tells you, you know, if you if you succeed one out of every 10 times, 
then fail as fast as possible. And then once you fail nine times, you know a success is getting ready to happen. Uh, but so many people are scared of that failure. And to be able to maybe take, take a couple students and watch, watch the struggles, watch, watch the hustle, watch the struggles, watch the failures, and then be right there when you succeed uh, and, and be able to you know, feel what that feels like uh, and then build on that. Um, I mean, it can translate into just about anything they want to do, even if they don't want to do business. I mean, there's always some sort of negotiation, no it's matter what job you have. Yeah. yeah, it's all transferable. So you're learning good business skills. And, uh, you know, me, I, I, I would love to, you know, do something like that and to be able to help the community that, you know, we live in and, and you know, help serve in that way. Well, I mean, I, I, I got news for you because you just said it on camera. So you're probably, somebody's going to probably hold you to that. But <laughs> hey, man, you remember when you said that, you know, six months ago? So you probably just set yourself up for that. But Well, good. I bring it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show was because that, that spirit right there, mm -hmm. right? If we do more of that, we're going to eliminate the gap that Everybody keeps complaining about business. There's not enough skilled workers. Education, hey, we're just trying to mm -hmm. follow the curriculum. Well, there's a gap that we could eliminate if we started doing things a little differently. And, and part of the reason I wanted you to, to be on here is to talk a little bit about not only what you do, but why you do it and the path that right. it takes. Because those are the, the critical points. Yeah, and, and these kids, are right. they're trying to find themselves, right? It's like, you know, when you have kids, you try to put them in all these different sports, you know, let them yeah. learn all these different instruments, let them try to figure it out what they want to do. And then they tend to gravitate towards something, but exposing them to as much as possible and then watching them gravitate and then grow. Right. And so, you know, if I can be a tool or a mechanism to help, you know, shape somebody's life and career path and, and, you know, down a direction that, you know, will benefit them then and later in life. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Okay, James, last question. I want to talk a little bit about innovation. So as a growing company, you've been, you know, you've had, you've worked for major corporations, you've seen a variety of leadership, and you're seeing the other side of leadership, right? The people that you serve, and you can get a little bit of insight into how they're leading. As a leader, how do you make sure you don't kill innovation? And what I mean by that is you've got new employees or veteran employees, and mm. sometimes they have great ideas. And if it's, if there's so much red tape, if there's so much bureaucracy, if there's nobody to listen and kind of foster, sometimes those innovation sparks die, right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen it in schools. I've seen it in business. I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it with just being a parent. You know, when your kids come to you with a great idea, sometimes you shoot it down because it's not your idea or ah, it's just too much effort to do it. How do you not kill that spark? And more importantly, how do you make sure the team that's, that's helping you, your leadership teams, how do you make sure they're not killing those types of sparks? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I'm kind of a, in a, in a way, a, a product of that. But uh, I think it's important. I think diversity is important. People with different backgrounds, experiences, uh, different, you know, business backgrounds and such. Uh, and I'll give you an example is, you know, being in a healthcare background where there's a lot of red tape. Right. Uh, you had to be very innovative in healthcare to be able to do business because of the red tape. Sure. Right. And then you go into an industry where there's maybe not much red tape at all, but being able to take innovation in one field that had to adapt in order to survive and utilize this in an industry where they really don't have red tape. You're, 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 you're charting the path now. It gives you a competitive advantage. And so you're able to take business models that have proved to proven to be successful into a business that doesn't see those models or hasn't seen those models. Uh, and it's a real differentiator. And so I'm an example of that. And so just being open to people from, you know, 
different experiences, different walks of life coming in and listening to them, listening to what they've done in the past, their successes, uh, how they failed, and uh, just an overall, you know, that type of environment, and then being open, uh, keeping an open mind. So many people are closed-minded these days. They're like, well, this is working, and this is, we're not going to change. We're not even going to listen to potential change. Uh, and I think that's a recipe to end up like Blockbuster one day, right? Yeah. Because uh, innovation change, we're, we're in a period of time right now where things are changing. You blink an eye and, you know, we got cars that are driving itself and next year they'll probably be flying. You that's know? right. So, so you have to be open and you have to know, you know, things are changing. And if you don't adapt, if you don't go out and seek different opinions and different viewpoints, uh, you're going to get left behind. Quickly, and you don't have that that rope anymore. Right. Ten years, twenty years, ah, oh. we can ride it out before really any substantial change. Like that stuff is happening overnight. Yeah, and that's what scares me a little bit about education is mm-hmm. we've got to learn to adapt quicker to the needs of the kids and to the needs of the workforce. Right, and it's about framing your perspective. Right, so you know it is what however you frame something, and that's how you and you perceive it. That's how it is reality for you. Right, you know I heard that old adage is like. You know, you send two guys to a, a third world country that sells shoes and one guy comes back and he goes, you know, there's no business opportunity here. Nobody wears shoes. Then the next guy comes back. He goes, there's tons of opportunity. Nobody wears shoes. Right. So frame it, you know, be optimistic and, and look for opportunities. Uh, and by doing that, uh, that that tends to lead to innovation. Right. So, I mean, no, that's a great answer. Um well, hey, man, I really appreciate your time. It was it was a learning experience for me. Yeah. I knew you did this, but I didn't know to the depth and all of the people that you're working with. And so, you know, for everybody that's listening and watching, and we'll put James's information and PGW's information in the link. So if you have some needs that are centered on sustainability, LED lights, uh, so you don't sleep in college classes, um, <laughs> we'll make sure that that gets on there. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much, Rick. Yep. Appreciate it. Produced by Podcast Architects.